It's good to see everyone this morning. Take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn to the text for this morning's message. It'll be found in the book of James. James chapter 1. Let's stand together as we read the Word of God. James chapter 1. We're going to read verse 16, 17, and 18. That's going to be the text for this morning's message. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. James, writing to scattered churches, writes this in James 1 and 16. Do not err or do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask now for your help as you remove the distractions from our minds, that you give us open hearts, open ears to what you have to say, that your truth would stand forth preeminent, our truths would be laid aside, and that we would be receptive, good ground for the seed of the word this morning. Pray that you would do the work only you can do within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Do that now. Speak and move among us. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, it's that time of year again. Christmas time. It's just a few weeks away. It seems like the years are flying by faster and faster, and we're already here at that time of year. Maybe the kids think it's been a long time coming to me. I wish things would slow down just a little bit, but we're already just a few weeks away from Christmas. And it's the tradition here at Faith Baptist that we, uh, we turn our attention to the birth of Christ, usually in the month of December, and what that birth means for us, because it is a monumental thing that happened. It changed our eternities, right? Christ coming to die for our sins means everything to us. And we turn our attention to that during this time of year. I'll spare, I'll spare you the usual disclaimers we usually talk about. It's probably not the time of His birth, but what better time to focus on that than now? The rest of the world is somewhat thinking of these things. We do well to bring the truth into that. It's a good time to focus, just as any, on what gives every day of our life meaning and purpose. We heard the song played, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Well, He came so that He could die and live again, and it means everything for us, right? It's something so very important. And it also helps to say this too, not everybody looks forward to this time of the year. There are some people I know who absolutely dread this time in the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Too much in the past has gone on and it overshadows the joy that most people feel this time of year. Well, again, what better opportunity to tell those people of the perfect joy and peace that Christ brings. All because He came to us. All because He gave us the perfect gift. I want to focus on that a little bit this morning. If, you're, if, if you all are anything like we are, you're probably right in the middle trying to get gifts. You're trying to get lists, find the gifts on those lists, and it can be a process, right? 
You're trying to stay within budget. You're looking for sales, trying to hit up Black Friday deals or Amazon Prime deals or whatever it is. I don't know. Does anybody go out to a store anymore? Probably not. You're probably shopping through your cell phone most of the time. But if you do go to a store, it's usually pretty busy, right? There's people around and it's not exactly the happiest time (laughs) to be in a store right now. It's usually all because of gifts. You got to get that right one. You got to get them exactly what they want. And sometimes trying to give somebody something that should be joyful is not altogether joyful. <laughs> sometimes it can be kind of a pain or a hassle, right? We got to give the best and we want to get the best gifts. So when it comes to this kind of subject, you hear the word gifts, you hear the word Christmas present, and your mind goes to some place, you may be a little jaded. Like, I'm so tired of spending money for Christmas gifts. I'm so tired of trying to find it. Blah, I wish we just could not do gifts this year and it would all be good. Well, I'm asking you to set that side a little bit while we look at our text and what James says here. I want to stay in James for this week before we maybe go the usual places, because something he writes here speaks to the time, just like all of Scripture does. And here in our text, he makes a pretty important statement that you've probably read before, but you maybe pass over it or you don't take time to realize the depth of it. That God is the giver of all good and all perfect gifts. Period. All of them. So we'll... Think about that a little bit this morning. Well, what qualifies as a good gift? Because you rate your gifts. Whether you realize it or not, you rate them. You ever open a gift and say in your mind, what is this? Why did I get this? What are they thinking? Hopefully you don't say that out loud, but kids tend to, right? You get them clothes for Christmas. You notice how quickly they open it, throw the box away, they throw it to the side and are on to the next present. They don't really say, thank you so much for a new pair of pants or a new shirt. No, that's they've got their own system. We all have our own system because there's some gifts we open it and we say, this is so awesome, thank you so much. You have your own scale as to what is good or not, and it's usually based on cost or value. We kind of fall into that, right? Like, it's a really good gift if it costs a lot and it's something really special. But, beloved, can I say quite often the best gifts don't cost anything at all? A hug from your loved one? Just spending time with your spouse and your children? Spending time with people that are so special to you? None of that costs a dime, does it? But those are some of the most special gifts we have. Every parent has refrigerator art, right? The things your kids draw you that don't look a thing like what they're trying to draw, but you keep it because it's special, right? It's just a blob of color. But you look at it and you say, that's so special, and I love it because it's from my kids. Well, just like we can give good gifts that don't cost anything, God gives us good gifts Actually, He gives us the best gifts. And it's not just one time a year, but it's each and every day. Each and every one of your days is full of the good and perfect gifts of God. And I don't know if you realize that or not, but they are. 
Each and every day, if you take time to look around, you'll see they are full of God's gifts everywhere. And this doesn't matter if you're a believer or not. It is true for each person on the face of this earth right now. Their days are full of the good gifts of God. It's what we call a universal truth. The good gifts of God are showered down on everyone. Just like a sun that shines on a bright summer day, so do the gifts of God. Let's dig in a little to see how that is. Look at verse 16 and verse 17. See how James kind of starts this thought. Do not err, my beloved brethren, or do not be deceived. We looked at that a little bit last week. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Basically, he's saying, don't be deceived. God is good and he gives good gifts. Now, why does he say it? Why does he kind of throw that in there? Because if you look back and see from the start of the chapter, he's talking about hard times. He's talking to people that are going through hard times. They're going through trials. They're facing hard things. They're surrounded by temptations. Life is not easy for these readers right now. They are most likely facing persecution. They're facing uh, um, uh, quite possibly death for their faith. It's not easy for them right now. And what James is telling them is focus on God not the surroundings. Let your faith grow. Ask for wisdom and strength from the Lord. It doesn't have, if you have little or if you have much, the reward is coming. And even if you're faced with temptation, don't give into it. Keep your eyes on God. That's basically what he said in chapter 1 up till now. Because when those hard times come, they start messing with our mind. They have a tendency or we can have a tendency in those hard times to take our eyes off him because we ask why is God doing this to me you ever ask that or you ever heard people ask that I have the trials and the temptations and the hard times they can cause our thinking to go the wrong way and listen times can be tough I get it for sure pick a subject pick an area and it can be hard People let us down. That hurts, doesn't it? Money runs short, then we kind of stress out about that, right? Our health can fail. So much so in all of these areas that it becomes all we focus on and all we can see is the trials or the temptations. And sometimes it seems like it's one thing after another and it just won't stop. And I hear that all around me. I I see people that face blow after blow, and it's just one thing after another. And even in my own life, it it seems like that's sometimes the case. And you can step back and say, my goodness, what is going on? This stinks. This is hard. And if we're not careful, and this is where I get the sense why James writes what he does. If we're not careful, we start to blame God. Asking why this is happening is not necessarily a bad question. Scripture writers do it all the time. But quite often we, we take it a little step farther. We say, if God is so good, why is He doing this to me? Why is He doing this to me? How can God do this? 
Why are bad things happening and why do they keep happening? And so very many people have that question, don't they? You go down that road and it starts to turn you away. It starts to harden your heart. You can throw up your hands and say, what does it matter? If God does this to me, then why would I want to serve Him or come to Him? Because look at the bad that He has given in my life. There's some people I've heard talk like that. Look what, look what God has done in my life. and why would, It's a mess. Why would I come to Him and try to serve Him? Well, that's the wrong perspective. James says, don't be deceived. God is good. Those evil things don't come from God. The good things come from God. Remember the previous verses? Verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he every man, any man. God doesn't deal in evil. No, God is good. The question is not why is God doing this because He's not or why He is allowing us. We, we have a tendency to go that route. Like why do bad things happen to good people? That's the wrong perspective. Because are there any truly good people? None is good. No, not one. No. You know what the question should be? Why is God so good in His gifts to me? Why does God allow good things to happen to sinful people? Why does He keep giving good and perfect gifts to me day after day to us who are sinful, to us who turn away so often or we neglect Him so often, yet He is still so good again and again and again, over and over. He keeps giving good and perfect gifts. Now, we throw that out and we focus on the checkbook that maybe doesn't balance right. Do we throw all of His goodness away and say, God, you stink. Look at what you did. Yet you missed the thousands and thousands and thousands of good gifts He's given up till now. James says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Step back. Don't be deceived. God is good. I think we need to consider that because it tells us who God is. It tells us about His love. It shows us His character. And the Scripture makes it clear here. Look there in verse, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from Him. All of the good things that we have in our life is from Him. And James, James is uh, using language. He makes a distinction here that's kind of hard to to translate over, in the original language, the sense is there that God not only gives gifts that are good and complete in their nature, but the way that He gives them is perfect too. Like it's perfect all around. God is good in what He gives, and God is good in His giving. And I believe these are more than just spiritual gifts, because some people will go that route. For sure, that's the case. Our church family is wonderful, isn't it? The relationships that we have here and the peace and the joy that we have in our hearts, the hope that burns within us. But that's not what James said, did he? That first word of verse 17 is really important. Every 
good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I think there's a broader scale here. So what am I talking about and how does God give good gifts to everyone? It's pretty simple. Walk outside and feel the sun on your face. Feel that cool breeze or even let the raindrops hit your face. The rain that brings life and the sun that brings life and your ability to feel that. Is that not a gift? It is. The next time you laugh or the next time you smile, who gave you the capacity to feel that and to laugh and to smile and to feel joy and happiness? We love those times, right? When we're sitting around just having a good time and laughing and smiling. And Who gave you the capacity within your being to feel that? God did. What about the capacity to love somebody? That's an amazing feeling, right? The love that you have for your spouse or the love that you have for your family. That, that down deep, just heartwarming solid, peaceful love that you have, that's a gift, isn't it? The friendships that you share with some people that are so close to you that you know you can call them anytime and talk to them about anything, is that not a gift? It is. That ability to feel these emotions, that ability to experience the world around us, the ability uh, to, to enjoy all the good things in life, all of those are given by God. Sin wrecks it. Sin messes it up. God gave it. The beauty of the natural world around us is amazing if you stop to look at it. I stand by a lake or a stream in the mountains and I wonder at the amazing goodness of God. the ability to connect with somebody else and form a friendship, the breath that you just took, all of those things are good and perfect gifts. Just think about the scope of your own life, the job that you have that provides for your needs. Wants are different. Wants are different. But I'm willing to bet most of you, if not every one of you, your needs have been provided for. Day after day after day after day. Where do you think that came from? The house that you stay in, the clothing on your back, where do they come from? Do they come from your own talents or your hard work? Well, who gave you that ability and that talent and that drive? It comes from God. All of it by His hand. And He gives them again and again and again. If you're 40 years old, I'm willing to bet that God has provided a meal for you at least 14,600 times if you eat once a day. Again and again and again, He's given you a good gift. And unless you have chosen not to, like you want to stay in a tent or you want to sleep under the stars, most if not all of you have slept within four walls somewhere, somehow. That same number of times. More if you're older. Again and again 
And again, God gives us good gifts. You've had some form of clothing. You've had some form of transportation. Think of all those things in your life and how often God has provided. How many gifts has He given you? How many gifts has He given me? Many, beloved. Many. And He does it again and again and again. Where do you think that comes from? You think that comes from Satan? You think that comes from the world? The Bible's pretty clear that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that the things of this world are passing away. But God comes to give us what? Life and life more abundantly. He is so good to us, isn't He? So good. He's so good in how and what He gives to each and every one of us each and every day. So, stop complaining. Stop complaining. There's going to be kids that do that this year. You know that, right? They think they should have gotten the newest video game system and the newest tech gadget instead of a bunch of underwear and socks. So they're going to throw a fit and they're going to get mad because they think they deserve it and they should just have everything they want. We can do the same thing, can't we? We complain, we become ungrateful. And the truth is, we don't deserve any of it, but God still gives it to us. He keeps on giving, and we keep complaining. This old house can't hardly move around without bumping into another member of the family, and it's so small. At least you got four walls and you're close together. But no, it's... This old house, this job, I just hate my job that has bought meal after meal after meal and pairs of clothing after pairs of clothing. But we, we complain, oh, this job, this old car. If I just had, if I could just... Instead of, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Because I don't deserve any of it. Because while we complain, we miss the beautiful and perfect gifts that we have right here and right now. All of them given to us by the hand of God. I wonder when's the last time you've been truly thankful for them. Truly grateful and content. Have you taken a step back lately and looked at all that God has provided, really took it in and said, wow, God is so good. If you haven't, perhaps you ought to. Because I guarantee you, God has been good to you. Even if things are tough, you're blessed. And when you, when you begin to think this way, those gifts have a way of kind of shining through the bad times. Look at what he says, something interesting. They come down from the Father of lights, where there is no variation, no shadow. He is the Father of lights. There, are, there is no shadow. There is no variation. His gifts are good. There's no shiftiness with Him. I believe this is a reference to the creation account when God created the sun and the moon and the stars. And it just draws my thinking to think of the sun. God made that. And His goodness is like that. The sun just shines bright down on everything and everyone, right? That's how the goodness of God is. 
The sun casts out shadow. The sun casts out darkness. The shadows and the darkness comes when something gets in the way of the sun. Right? Maybe you don't think God is so good because you let something get in the way of His goodness. We're not just letting His goodness rain down and being thankful for it and letting it shine upon us because we've put other things in the way. Have you let anything get in the way? Because all good gifts come from Him and He is good in His giving. However, none of it compares to His greatest gift. Look in verse 18. Of His own will begat He us, or He brought us forth with the word of truth, that we should be kind of firstfruits of His creatures. He brought us forth. He caused us to be born again with the word of truth. What is this speaking of? This is speaking of the greatest gift of all. God has given us many good gifts in all different areas of our life. And we can look there and say, yes, He is amazing. But this gift is ultimate. This gift is above all that. And it is a gift that is offered and available to everyone And the gift we will focus on the rest of the month and the gift that we proclaim each and every week, and that is the gift of salvation that is offered in Christ Jesus. God offers you this morning the gift of eternal life. He offers you forgiveness of your sin that you might be restored to Him in that broken relationship that He would take away the pain and sorrow and give you peace and hope that nothing can touch down deep in your soul on eternity in heaven. It's a gift that He has for you, but it is a gift that you must accept. I don't know what the... What's the big gaming system? Is it PS5 or we have PS10 now? I don't know. One of those. Xbox, PS10, whatever. (laughs) Can you imagine some kid's Parents wrapping that up, taking it to a kid and say, here, this is for you. I got it for you. It's purchased for you. I want you to have it. And that kid says, no, I don't want it. Then he goes without. He doesn't have the gift. He doesn't experience that. He doesn't have what that gift could give because he won't accept it. Beloved, it's the same with salvation. It is a gift that is offered to every man. Forgiveness of sins, free, uh, freedom from judgment, justification from our sin, and an eternity in heaven with Him. God freely offers that, but we must freely accept it. It's something God wants for every man. Look in the first part of verse 18. It says, Of His own will He brought us forth, or He caused us to be born again. Don't go crazy with that as far as Uh, Seeing God forces people to be saved. I believe that simply means it's what He wants. It's God's will for you and I that we would accept the gift of salvation. God wants you to be saved today. God wants you to be reconciled to Him. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, The man, Christ Jesus, listen, who gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself a ransom for all. 
God wants all of us to be saved. God has provided the way that all of us can be saved. Because we need to be saved. And this is the part that most churches leave out today. And this is the part that we need to understand. We need to be saved. We are separated from God because of sin. You could look at it this way. Think of all the good things that God gives us that goes wrong. Love that fails or joy that breaks or relationships that go south or all the good things that go bad. What do you think causes that? What do you think has caused this world to be in such a mess? It's sin. It's the effects of sin. It's the effects of us as a human race walking away from God not caring, not listening, not worshiping, going about things our own way, and we have made a mess of everything. That's why marriages fail. That's why families break apart. That's why we experience pain and sorrow and depression and anxiety. Because that's what sin does. It messes up everything. It brings death. And it's not just the effect of sin on the world around us. Sin is within us too. It's within our own hearts. And it's shown because we lie and we hate and we steal and we cheat and we curse God and we turn away from Him. We do whatever we want. We don't care. We may not think that's a big deal, but it is. We have to answer to God for our sin. And there is coming a judgment day. Eternity is coming when we have to answer for all that we have done. And if we still carry our sin, we stand guilty before God. And there is a judgment for it. Eternal separation, eternal death, eternal hell because of our sin. So what do we do? We try to be good. That doesn't work because you're only good for so long and then you do the things you tried not to do at some point. Do we go to church a bunch? No, that doesn't work either. You can try all that you want. In fact, there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Romans chapter 3 makes that really clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the whole world stands guilty before God. But that's where the word of truth comes in. Look in verse 18. Of His own will, He brought us forth with the word of truth. That's the Bible. That's what you hold in your hands. That's what has been so attacked and and, uh, discredited to no avail. It is the truth of God. It is the word of God. And what does it declare? From cover to cover, it declares Christ crucified, the Savior who has come for our sins. It tells us that Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus died for your sin. Every lie that you tell, every evil thought that you think, Jesus died for that. 
He, the eternal Son of God, came to this world and lived a perfect life and He took your sins on Himself and He died on the cross as a sacrifice for those sins. He died for you. Every curse word, every evil thought, every time you've disobeyed God, the perfect, sinless Son of God died for those sins. He took your place. He took the wrath of God for your sin so that you might live. He shed His blood as the atonement for your sins so that we can be saved. Through His death and His burial and His resurrection, we have the means of salvation. You can be saved today. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have an eternal home in heaven. That aching within your soul can be healed. That void within you can be filled. All of your sin forgiven. I love the way Isaiah says it. Though your sin be red as crimson, it can be washed white as snow. All because Jesus died for you. And all you have to do is accept the gift that He gives. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you accepted that gift? Do you know this morning with 100% surety that your eternity lies in heaven? That if your eyes were to close in death at this moment, that you would open them in the presence of Christ forever and ever and ever? And is that assurance come only because you have trusted in Jesus, I pray that you have that this morning. If not, you can. You do it by trusting Him. By realizing you're a sinner, that you face the judgment of God, that you're guilty, you can't blame anybody else, not your parents, not your friends, not your spouse, not your circumstances, no. You and you alone stand guilty before God just the same way I do. And the judgment is coming for that. But Jesus has taken your place. He has stepped in and said, I will take the punishment. I will bear the consequences of your sin. And He gave His life on the cross so that you can be saved. All that you must do is trust that He did that for you. He that believeth in Jesus shall be saved. You do it by trusting Him, by placing your faith in Him. It's this It's this letting go in your heart and just believing that Jesus can save you from hell and asking Him to do so and trusting Him that He can. It's just giving it to Him and trusting in Him as your Savior. Do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? If you haven't, I pray you will. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to take away the guilt and the sorrow and to break the chains that weigh you down. He will if you ask in faith. And that's the greatest gift ever. I remember the moment that I was saved. The burdens and the guilt were lifted. And I was, as the Scripture says, I was born again. I was made this brand new person and my heart was full of joy and full of peace and I couldn't wait to tell everybody because I knew (coughs) my sins were gone 
hell was gone, and my eternity is in heaven with Jesus forever. There's such happiness and such peace and such joy that comes with that. And yeah, God has given me a lot of good gifts. Whether it's the day-by-day gifts or it's the gifts of my children, the gift of my spouse, the gift of this church. But all of those take a second seat to the gift of eternal life that He has given. It's the greatest gift ever. It's the greatest gift you can ever receive, you can ever accept, and Jesus offers it to you if you will accept it. In fact, all those good gifts in your life and the other areas, do you know those are meant to point you to Him? Romans chapter 2 says the goodness of God is meant to lead you to repentance. You can see how good God is. You can see how much He loves you. Just look around your life. Even if you don't believe in Him, you can see God's good love toward you. Love that's so big and so deep that He would send His only Son to die for you so that you can be saved. I pray you would accept His ultimate gift. I pray that you would accept His offer of salvation before it's eternally too late. Because God has given you many good and many perfect gifts. And He is waiting to give you the best. Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, if you would trust in Jesus as your Savior. And those that know Him, well, perhaps we should take a step back and just thank Him for saving us. When's the last time you told Him thank you? And you meant it from the bottom of your heart. I mean, not complaining in your prayers and asking Him why you can't have this and why you can't have that and all these other small things, small things that get in our way and become the ultimate things in our life. When's the last time you pushed all of that aside and said, thank you, Lord, for saving me? Thank you that I will spend an eternity with you. Thank you for the love that I have in my life. Thank you for feeding me. Thank you for giving me a place to stay. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. Perhaps you need this morning to take a step back and look around your life and just see His goodness everywhere. And show some gratitude and thankfulness for all that God continually showers down on you day after day after day. Preparing for this message has led my heart to that. that God, God is so good. And His gifts are truly perfect. Especially the gift of life that He offers. Don't let anything else get in the way of that. Don't let anything else overshadow that. Whether it's your need for salvation or just having a grateful heart. I pray that we would every day realize that every good and every perfect gift comes down from Him. Let's pray. Father, ask Your blessing on these words that have been spoken. Help us, Lord, as we consider this and we consider Your goodness in our own lives. Help us to have thankful and grateful hearts that we would continually give praise back to You for Your goodness to us because You are so good. Thank You so much for salvation. Thank You so much for sending Your Son to die for our sins, for my sins. 
Thank you for the goodness that you show to me each and every day. Lord, I ask that you would just use these words as you see fit. Take them to our hearts and our minds and again, do the work that only you can do in our hearts. I ask this in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.